I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. Hello, everyone. Good morning or afternoon or evening. Or middle of the night. Or middle of the night. Or summer, if you're in Australia, winter, fall, autumn, if you're above the northern hemisphere. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> we're, in, we're recording from Santa Cruz where it has yet to turn into, it's, it's fall, but it's like Super summer hot. fall, yeah. It's like 80 degrees Fahrenheit today, which is maybe like 18 degrees Celsius. I don't even know that conversion, but I like what you just said. I'm I'm concerned we're not going to get rain. I'm already a little worried. I'm. Are you worried? Uh, I just drove by that reservoir today on the way to. I had to take my car over to San Jose, Super and depressing. it was looking very, very sad, yeah. dismal, draining. Yeah, I was like, oh no. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Chip, I'm wondering if you want to tell your blowjob story on the air. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. And I just need to update you that 80 degrees is about 26 degrees. Fahrenheit. Oh, you just Googled it. Yeah. Because okay. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. That doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound very warm. Anyway, um, 26 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. So, blowjob story. Funny story. Your partner just told me this. Funny. Yeah. He's like, like a Amy, blowjob story. April gave me a really great blowjob the other night. And, and Amy's like, really? That sounds like a little sarcastic. Uh, <laughs> do you want to talk? more about that and i was like i don't care i have no shame it happened so <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is though you have to like see what i'm doing because um it's it, i'll try to describe it but i was really jet lagged let me just give you a premise mm-hmm. to what happened i was super jet lagged and paint the picture chip paint ended the picture. up drinking <laughs> quite a bit with uh, my friend was in town from austin her and her husband and her two kids so they're like they're pretty big drinkers, and so I was trying to keep up with them, and I was drinking like bourbon and tequila and wine. Raw. Don't even want to think about that now together, um, because it's a lot. And I was ended up getting pretty intoxicated, and we came home, and I'm like, "Let's have a sex. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you know, kind of doing my little I'm cute, but not really because I'm wasted kind of <laughs> dance. And then I was like, "I'm gonna give you a blowjob." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then I. Went down and then it couldn't get the dick in my mouth. It like hit my cheek, hit my forehead. Almost like me painting my face with his dick. (laughs) And he was like laughing and I was like, stop it. (laughs) So not a good look. uh, And I couldn't find my mouth. Yeah. Did it ever find your mouth? Nope. No. There's. Did you pass out like mid dick? No. We we finished. I actually do. I so I. I don't have a clear. uh, memory of exactly <laughs> how that went down, but I do remember I actually did have an orgasm after that because I was like, oh yeah, and like squirted a little bit and then passed out. I feel like there's all these stories of you like having orgasm and squirting, but like not being that present for it. <laughs> and and yeah. I wonder if our listeners are a little alarmed. Don't worry, everyone. She's she seems uh, happy and like it's I I don't really make it uh, a regularity to get that wasted that's not really my and, favorite and then thing you're like initiating sex <laughs> well that's the thing i get all like woo, like yeah. all jacked up on the mountain dew mm-hmm. and 
I don't know. I just like think that for some reason that I I get overly sexual. Yeah. And then I definitely have never done the whole miss my mouth thing before with the dick. Well, it's tricky territory. I know not for not for you. I know that you're not saying that, but I think for people listening, like because the, the consent thing is so is so big with intoxication. Yeah. And that you know if you're not there fully present to make consent, then it's not consent. Even if you're making consent, but you're so out of it based on whatever you've been consuming. Um, and I know April in your case that you're in a, you know, committed relationship and even that, yeah. well, I also let that, my boundaries, I let my guard down a little bit more cause I was with him. And like, yeah. I think that I, I feel so comfortable a lot of times. Like I probably drink more than I should that night for sure. <laughs> and um, jet lag, but well, fuck you and up. jet lag did fuck me up because I, yeah, I feel like I didn't consume that much more than I typically do. It just hit me that much harder. So mm. just like when I'm going to get my period, I get extra drunk, even though I don't drink like as much as I extra tipsy. Yeah. I'll just yeah. be like, Whoa, that all hit me. So yeah, yeah, I don't recommend getting that wasted and trying to, or know. on the flip side, um, if you're being intimate with someone that's that wasted to, um, yeah, there's, there's some extra precaution that needs to be taken there. And, and I'm not saying yeah. you're, I'm just like speaking to other folks. Well, no, my partner said, he's like, I didn't realize how, uh, because I, I yeah. keep it together. He's like, I didn't realize how fucked up you were until that whole thing happened with my cock. And, and he's like, like, oh, oh shit. shit. Yeah. <laughs> he's Damn like, it. well, now it's kind of late because yeah. she's into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to be. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, 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 that's, that one's tricky. That one's a really, but that's like, a, if, yeah. And you know, I'm not making light of unconsensual sex when you're like hammered, but I am, making light of my situation because it was fucking hilarious yeah Yeah, you're talking about for you we're in yeah so i yeah i just wanted to point that piece out for other folks as well and your situation was was i mean you're consenting there you you initiated you think it's cute and funny and (laughs) i thought it was pretty cute and funny you did too you were like oh cheap i just picturing you do it like if you've never seen a picture of april i suggest you go to our instagram (laughs) right now follow shameless sex on there and you can see her and she's like adorable fit little little thing just picture her wasted putting a dick all over her face (laughs) painting my face that dick yeah paint that dick paint that face um okay so everyone this episode is going to be about great sex and connection after trauma um, this is a big thing. We get a lot of sex questions about this. Folks wondering, um, how do I get back into my body? How do I trust again? I'm not feeling pleasure the way I used to because they have had some significant trauma. So we're going to go into that with someone who is a um, MFT, MFFT, MFT, a marriage and family therapist, who also has their own trauma too and their own trauma story and have a personal story of how they bounce back. And it was and her, her first time sharing it. I know, which was really special. I know we got that on air and she has her own podcast. I know. And she shares her, her um, trauma story for the first time on air on our podcast. So it was really special. So stay tuned. You're going to, you're going to really um, love the episode because Mm -hmm. it is heartfelt. I almost cried. Yeah. Yeah. And then before we dive into that, then we have some other things. We have a sex question that is about um, pegging and anal. If you know what pegging is, then you want to hear this one. And yes, strap on six. Strap on six. Um, And then OMG, yes. Do you, did you check out omgs.com? Anybody out there? Anyone? Amy, you have. I mean, I have. I've I've only experienced season one, but it was a game, game changer for me. I absolutely love it. I'm super excited for season two. Well, I just wanted to kind of share just a couple tidbits about it because um, actually, you know, I was trying to 
tell some of my friends about it too, because they were like, wait, what is the OMGS? I heard you talking about it. Can you talk more? Like, let me know more about it. So I made myself like a PowerPoint presentation, a PowerPoint presentation with laser, but because it is, <laughs> it's like conceptually, it's kind of hard to grasp. But then once you learn about it, you're like, oh, that's really easy. And it's they um, a bunch of researchers got together and they basically go through what feels good and why um, through honest, real humans. So mm-hmm. they use real humans, not actors like or porn stars or uh, it's like real, real mostly humans. Volvo yeah. owners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they surveyed real humans. Um, so I think it's like over a thousand. Over, yeah, 2,000. Oh, yeah. 2,000 Final. women of all ages from the ages of 18 to 95 mm-hmm. was what I uh, heard. So what there are is, is like 62 short videos. 11 of them are interactive and you can use... Um, this one time you pay one time for the season um, and you get they're, they're kind enough at OMGS, the researchers to give shameless sex um, listeners. So you, that means you, I'm pointing to the microphone, uh, $5 off your purchase. So you can um, get season one. If you use, yeah, if you use uh, OMGS, OMGS backslash shameless. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, so basically, I know I say basically a lot because I listen to my podcast. And I'm like, damn it, Abel, basically. stop saying basically. So in a nutshell, <laughs> um, it's it's a no blushing, kind of like what we do on this podcast. It's a no blushing, no shame approach to smashing the taboos around female sexuality and female pleasure. So uh, and exposing the diversity of it in a way where there's so many options for how you can up your game and pleasuring yourself yes. that you, we don't even know about. Like, I think I talked about this in this past, past podcast, but I watched, I, I set these dates, like I'm going to have an OMGS night. So I'll have a, be a night to myself. I'll choose one video there because there's so many options and it's kind of like a self-care night, like a sexy self-care night. And I'm like, I'm going to try this technique that I've never tried. I've never really tried a lot of like swirls to the left, swirls to the right. And I discovered some new things that I liked that I had no idea. Like I, you know, I was already happy with what I was doing, but I was like, wow, now I have new tools to add to my toolkit. So that was exciting. Well, the thing is that when, because it's 2000 women of all ages, think about it. Like from when I'm eight, when I was 18 till now I'm 36, my pleasure has changed so much. So it's like looking at women that are 95, yeah. how they're it's pleasuring chips. themselves, yeah. what they've learned. So it's really, it's, re- it's looking at the research and getting other people's insights and techniques on enhancing your pleasure. And it covers, if you think about it, most aging, um, most ages of consenting adults. Mm-hmm. So even if you're not just, uh, if you're um, a, a person out there that, wants to understand vulvas, you're a couple, you're in a relationship with a vulva owner, you are a vulva owner, this is for you. So mm-hmm. that's a majority of our listeners actually yeah. Um, yeah. are fitting into that bracket. So if you are listening right now, go to omgs.com backslash shameless and um, buy the first season, you get five bucks off. And season and two should be out anytime. 62 short videos and yeah. 11 of them are interactive and you can check out, you can check out the interactive portion, but I'm a huge fan and yeah. I'm a huge fan of what they're doing and your money that you're going to spend on this re, re- um, I can't tell. Goes towards research for future seasons. Exactly. So season two is uh, pretty much about to be online, but season three, there's going to be more stuff about sex toys, um, men's sexual pleasures coming up, anal pleasure. There's yeah. so much going on. So by actually participating in it and learning for yourself, um, enhancing your own sex life, you're helping other people's sex lives too. But it's so cool to kind of be a part of your money is not just going for something. Yeah. Um, like towards like right now. Wine and beer. Yeah, wine and beer. It's going for research and yeah. um, learning more about our sexuality as humans. So and pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. Shameless sex out.
Uh, <laughs> I think I have talked about this on past episodes. I have, I have when my coaching practice, when I work with clients, I, I get people of all ages, like female body folks in their thirties to their sixties who are so unaware still of what their body is like. And they're relying on other people to pleasure them. And the way that people are pleasuring them is like porn star sex. And they're like, why am I not having orgasms? Why am I not liking sex with my partner? And I'm like, what kind of sex are you having? And then they tell me or show me from just like some movements and it's just missing all the good spots. And when I send them to OMGS and they have either them watch it by themselves to learn what their body likes. And then they can either share that with their partner or watch it together with their partner or have their partner watch it later or whatever. But it's been a game changer. So just throwing out some ideas I'm there. I'm going to have my partner watch it for sure. Not yeah. because he's, you he know, sucks at I mean, everything. Yeah, not because of that, not trying to change his no. his ways, just adding, yeah. like you said, tools menu, to your tool tools belt. To the toolkit. So I just wanted to touch on that. Um, yeah. You had an announcement about, you're teaching a class? I am teaching a class, everybody. If you're in Santa Cruz um, or nearby on November 4th, this is 2018. Um, I'm teaching a Tantra in Motion workshop, a central movement workshop is that what the Tantra Motion is the name. I co-teach with Daniel Molner, who leads Ecstatic Dance here, and he is one of the best teachers I have ever seen. It is an honor to work side by side with this human. Um, and this is a half-day workshop, so it's from 1 to 5 p.m. I believe it's a Sunday uh, in Santa Cruz. And you can find out more if you go to purepleasureshop.com. If you this is if you really want to learn more about Tantra in an experiential way, and it's going to be sensual and juicy, it's open to individuals, couples, triads, whomever wants to come, and uh, everything is consensual. All touch things are over the clothes, and it's just a really good way to get into your inner turn on in a big group environment. So, um, hopefully, I will see some of y'all's out there. And oh, that's nice. Um, there's one other thing I want to talk about before we go to the sex question yeah. is that horoscope thing. We, so we just got back from Germany. Oh, that's so cool. And we were, so we did it and we recorded an episode there. If you listened to our last one with the Austin, awesome Kristen from fun factory. Um, but there uh, we saw the horoscope line by Bijou indiscret and it is fucking awesome. It's, it's like so in line with, I feel like who we are yeah, as, as like women. It's like a women gems. owned company. Women began, they, they specialize in this beautiful, like sexy, um, uh, accessories, uh, very high end. They're chic, uh, but not pricey. Um, and they just created this line, uh, of it's called horoscope. It's a little finger, us uh, medical grade silicone finger vibe. And mm -hmm. in a little kit branding is so gorgeous. Yeah. You get, um, a your necklace, yeah, yeah, a necklace of with your gemstone, and they all vary because they're natural stones. Uh -huh. So each one's a little different, and then you also get an all natural clitoral warming uh, uh, balm. But the bombs too. are there's earth, air, wind, fire too. So it's, got, yeah. it's so it's like if you're into horoscopes or you're into astrology or things that are more like aligned uniquely with you, and it's just cute. Like you get a sex toy and jewelry in one. It's awesome, and the price point is really affordable. It's under I think it's under fifty bucks. I think it's forty. Four yeah. and you get fifteen percent off With if you that, use yeah. the code Shameless. Go all to, caps. It's all caps. Yeah. And go to bijouindiscrets.com. How do you spell it, Aim? B i j o u x i n d i s c r e t s dot com. Yeah, it's yeah. like Bijou. Like, um, they're they're from Barcelona. Actually, the company's from Barcelona. The clitoral bomb's made in Spain. Oh, is it? It is. Yeah, it's so. Uh, and it's the necklaces super cute. they they love like boutique, small scale stuff. Like, like I'm saying, like local artisan. I love those two words yeah. because everybody wants to support their local, you know, artists and and different things uh, in their community. They're filled with amazing artists, but their clitoral bomb is made in Barcelona. 
and it all comes in a little kit. So I Christmas is, or I don't want to say Christmas because holidays, holidays are coming uh, very soon. Whether it's Black Friday or the you know Ooh. Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh, Christmas, Boxing Day, all of it's coming. So great gift idea. Um, and it was one of my favorite things that I saw, uh, like new things of the year Yeah, uh, in sex. We see a lot of sex toys. And it was They're one of my favorites. They're sending you and I one so we can actually talk about using it, but we didn't have room in our, my suitcase was like 25 kilos. So I didn't have any room for it, but she's mailing it to us. So I'm we'll excited. Get the, the bullet did feel really strong. So check out Bijou Indiscret and Horoscope Line. Get 15% off. You're not going to break the bank with that one. Code shameless. All caps. All right. Sex question time. Anal, 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 anal. I love anal. Yeah, do you want yeah, to do anal? Yeah. Anal with me? Anal. I love anal. I love anal. Is this your Israeli accent? Yeah. I like Do you it. like anal? I like to go to the beach. I like to go to the beach too. You want to go to the beach? If anybody out there is, speaks Hebrew, there's um, a direct translation. It translates to, I'm going to open your ass. <laughs> and it actually means, they mean like, I'm going to kick your ass, like we'd say in the in the English language. But I can't remember how to say it right now. It's like something, sh- 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 I can't remember how to sh- say sh- it, but it's like, I'm going to open your ass. <laughs> and I'd be playing like matkot, which is like the, you know, the, uh, the racquetball, not uh-huh. racquetball, but the beach beach yes with the wood paddles yeah Yeah. i can't remember what it's called in english but um i would be playing that because they play it all over the beaches in in tel aviv if you remember amy from when we were there yeah uh and they'd i heard several people i would be playing would be like i'm going to open your ass so they would say in english yeah they say it in english to me because they directly translate it from hebrew to english so and i'd be like (laughs) excuse me like you want to do the anal (laughs) yeah you trying to open my ass on the beach it's a public beach but okay i guess go israel um (laughs) so here is a question so this is about the subject is prostate and anal and we are going to leave this human anonymous but this is from a um, male identified person who is married and he has been married uh, for I don't know how long but anyways um, there were girlfriend oh no not married girlfriend ha take that back okay so this is a girlfriend and they have been starting to explore with prostate play on his body because he's the one with the prostate so questions are he wants to know if strap-ons are enjoyable for his girlfriend. So will my enjoy my girlfriend enjoy wearing a strap-on? He loves pleasing her more than receiving or are strap-ons overdoing it? Um, and then question number two is that my girlfriend has recently experienced, I guess you would call it squirting, and she loves it. Is there any way I can make it more pleasurable for her? Is it okay that I think her cum and bodily fluids taste good? Ooh. All right. So let's go to numero uno. You know, with that first question, uh-huh. the um, the strap on yes. sex, mm-hmm. you and I are both, and we always have been fair, like the spare parts harnesses. Oh yeah, they nice. are the most comfortable harnesses, and we're not even like not- giving them a shout out on purpose. Like yeah. they really are the best harnesses that money can buy. They're expensive for a harness, but they're comfortable. And they're um, machine, washable. machine washable, and they're warranted, and they're made in the USA, and they look damn good. Like yeah. you can find you can find the perfect one for your body. They, they look have, like underwear. They look and feel like underwear, yeah. and it's like bathing suit material. It's as good as a harness gets. It, it keeps the dildo where you want it. It looks sexy, and it's super comfortable. I sat next to one of the owners, one of the founders, on the ride back from Germany to London. I love him, by the way, oh, so he's much. Awesome. Yeah, um, is he an owner? I'm still confused. Yeah, he's he part, oh, okay. he's partner. Okay, um, and they're coming out with a new line too. That's like, they're so they, my reason for bringing that up is because they're so focused on um, perfection to make sure the quality is guaranteed that they've been taking. I think it's almost taken an extra year. So Um, it's going to be separate, but like lingerie. So they're, you, you should check out their stuff. It's like, 
It's, uh, if you go to myspare.com or spare parts harnesses, we have them at Pure Pleasure, actually. Yeah. If you go to purepleasureshop.com, if you look up spare parts harnesses, it's all one word. Um, and there's different styles that we have there, and you get 15% off with but, coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps. When we used to do the when I used to do those little pleasure parties, I would wear one and you've worn I one too, too during training. put a like, dildo in there and people yeah. start cracking But it, it sits right under your cheeks of your, um, of your that's, a, that's a jock style. The jock yeah, style uh-huh. one. And it looks really hot because it kind of yeah. like, you tighten it up and it like, kind of raises your ass up a little bit. So yeah. um, I don't know if they ask that so in the question. They're not but asking about anything. About, they're asking, is it enjoyable for their girlfriend? Like they, this person oh. has been enjoying prostate play where their girlfriend has been stimulating their prostate. And they want to know that if their girlfriend wears a strap on, if the girlfriend will like it because they like pleasing their girlfriends. So their girlfriend. So I would say, well, not to it interrupt depends. you. It depends if you could, in theory, if you wanted to get a double and a dildo, if she wanted yes. to feel something inside while she's pegging, mm-hmm. you could wear a double and a dildo. Yeah, that Fun goes, Factory makes an awesome one, the share, the share. Yeah, the sh- and that one they have the share vibe too, right? Yeah, and then so the spare, the spare parts harnesses you can put a double dildo in there. And the share vibe also vibrates for the person that's wearing yeah. it. But also the spare parts harness has a bullet hole that goes right around where the um, harness meets the clitoris if it's a female body wearing it. And so they can get vibrations while wearing the harness. It's already in there. It's like already packed in there if they put a bullet, bullet vibe in there too. So I would say for um, someone to enjoy peg, this is what pegging is. Pegging is when a female body tops a male body. And um, there's a couple ways they can get off to it. One is the act of dominance. So if your girlfriend's into being like into dominating you, then yeah, that could be really pleasurable for her. Um, and I would imagine that if she's not into that and likes to be more submissive, then this might not be her jam. Um, but like April's saying, you can use sex toys where they get pleasure too, whether mm-hmm. it's from a vibrator externally that's in the harness or there's a, the sh- like the share dildo or, or share vibe dildo, double dildo. And if well. you're a prostate owning individual who prefers prostate stimulation you could always use a a prostate stimulator if like your partner doesn't want to peg you uh you could use a prostate have them use a prostate stimulator on yours just use some fingers yeah if that's something that you're really into and they're not into the domination spare like the uh harness wearing wearing a harness and maybe more in a dominant role yeah yeah yeah, and then for question two, the girl from recent experiences is so squirting. Um, is there any way it can make it more pleasurable for her? And is it okay that I think her common body fluids taste good? Fuck yeah, it's good. It's great if you think those things taste good. What do they mean by more pleasurable? They're not really giving a lot of details, so I don't really know exactly what that means. But um, that's like the height of I think feel like squirting? I get so much pleasure out of when I squirt or the build up to squirting. I mean, it's 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 different. Like okay, so you can have squirting where it just feels like. More, it's more gushing and like a nice release. Like there's been pressure built up. It's a nice release. You can gush slash squirt combined with orgasm where your muscles contract. So you're having an actual like orgasmic process where you get that euphoric feeling combined with the release. Um, so they don't, so I don't know. It just depends with the, for this person. Like when they're squirting, are they actually having that like blissful orgasmy process too? Or is it just the nice release? Because the nice release is awesome. And I, I still throw that in the categories orgasm, but it isn't that same feeling that like, euphoric, like I left my body for, you know, a second or two and my, my pelvic floor is contracting and there's just like so much pleasure flowing through me. They're a little different from each other um, and they can go hand in hand, but they don't always do that. So um, maybe to up the game is to uh, 
is to combine the two. You don't get this the squirting thing while giving them an, a, a mind-blowing orgasm as well. Some advanced shit right there. See, it's turbo shit, man. I mean, the magic wand can do that, right? Yeah. Like using the magic wand, that really powerful vibrator and, uh, is on just on the clit is so powerful that someone, not, and not everyone, because some people, people have to learn how to release to squirt. Mm-hmm. But you, if you do have uh, an orgasm, often it can be an ejaculatory one because it's so powerful. It just like squeezes yeah. that, the um, urethral sponge. So it's it's pretty badass I've experienced that uh, and then yeah and then to the last part is it okay that I think her cum and buy foods taste good fuck yes I wish more people thought that way about um, th- about female body body fluids you know when yeah. uh, so I think that's great and tell her as much as possible so that she just like just ramp up her her um, confidence there because a lot of female body folks have shame around their body fluids around their pussies and the way they smell and the way they taste so the more you tell them that you think it, it their cum tastes good um, the better and actually Kristen talked about this. Yeah, yeah, she did. About how the reason, she's like, what'd she say? She's like, part of the reason why I uh, stopped sleeping with men was because of jizz. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't necessarily love it. wasn't her jam, but she, that she said um, female body fluids, like female cum, she loves. On, yeah. She's, she's all about it. It's, it's just like, it's kind of like sweet and liquidy and it's not gummy. And Never tasted it. I'm not hating on male bodied folks and their, their cum, but, um, but yeah, if you love it, own it and praise it. Why not? I, I like it. Do it. So that's our sex question. Thank you, listener. We love you. And for all you all sending us sex questions, um, as we said, we are now um, uh, being particular about what ones we answer because we want to diversify what we answer on this podcast. So feel free to send us sex questions and we may answer them. We have interns that are picking, helping us to pick and choose sex questions um, these days. So thank you for to our interns, Madison and Paige. You ladies are badass. XOXO. Yeah, they're amazing. Uh-huh. Really. Yeah, we love you. And, and then if you have Im- sex questions, like immediate sex questions too that we can't answer, you can go to the Juicebox app. If you go to Juicebox and you um, use coupon code SHAMELESS, you also get five days free, I believe, on the Juicebox app. Oh, that's app. nice. And you get your questions answered all anonymously through chat really quickly. It's on uh, through iPhones. You have a problem. We create a solution. Yeah, girl. That's okay. not their tagline. I just made that up. Um, I, I like that, though. <laughs> we have a, It sounds like a car ad it or does. something. But we you have, have a problem. We have a solution. Shameless sex off. Sex off. <laughs> uh, okay, last but not least, um, we uh, I think we talked about this on our last couple ones, but we have our online video workshop coming oh, yeah. up soon. Because it's October right now when we're it recording this. October. And we're going to release this series. October 30th. Just, yeah, go to our website, uh, shamelesssex.com, and click on uh, the workshop on online workshop and it'll give you all the details about what we're offering and um it's a pretty good deal it's something that you can watch over and over again four videos Mm -hmm. 30 minutes or less and um how to be your most erotic empowered amazing self yep we give all kinds of juicy tips tips. and then it also involves some direct work with us as well uh, and we uh, are really looking forward to working with people with more more directly. Like we, we love giving you our voices. You can watch our faces on Instagram, um, and we're really looking forward to like getting direct contact and giving people like one on one or slash group support as well. So that is available if you go to shamelesssex.com and click on the workshops, and then um, that will be launched on October 30th. If you want to learn how to be your most badass erotic mm-hmm. self, mm-hmm. and this first iteration is geared just towards um, female identified folks. Hey, girl. So I can't drink wine right now because I'm on a break. Um, I'm drinking uh, some good old bubble water. But the margins is back. April's drinking wine. It's only 4.30 in the afternoon. Don't judge her. 
Is it only 4.30? <laughs> I'm still on London time, which is like midnight. It's so. a great time to drink wine. It is. Um, and actually, I just saw the winemaker. I was eating dinner at a local restaurant in Santa Cruz, and uh, she just is awesome. Her name is Megan Bell. She's been making wine for a few years. She's a young winemaker, but she studied it as, you know, as it, part of her degree, uh, I think at Davis. I think she went to UC Davis, but uh, that's beside the point. I did because, you know, I, I always talk about wine with my friends because um, I love you, Amy, but you know, I'm not always with you. I have other friends and they're like, what's up with the raw wine? Wait, you have other friends. I do, <laughs> you know, from time to time. So I went and looked up exactly what raw wines are because we've talked about it before, but I just want to give our listeners like uh, just a couple few really important things that I learned myself and I was like, oh, so actually raw winemakers and that's not raw. I'm sorry. Natural wine. Uh, it's almost like raw, but they um, obviously all the grapes are organic and they're bio biodynamically grown. Um, and then they use hand picking instead of machine harvesting because machine harvesting actually damages the grapes, which can use um, can, it leads to like oxidation and it leads to uh, bacterial growth, which is why they put a bunch of stuff to purify the wine. Yeah, chemicals and things. Chemicals yeah. and things things. So this is a way better approach. And I don't want to say that other approaches are bad, but this is better for your body because, um, you actually, it, it's better for the environment as well. It, it lowers your, uh, the carbon footprint of the winemakers. And it's obviously there's not a bunch of preservatives, herbicides, pesticides that they're using to, uh, to grow the grapes either. So that's kind of amazing. And then when they ferment it, instead of adding a bunch of stuff, conventional grape growers, I guess they add, um, sprays to it to kill the yeast that live on the grapes. The natural wines that um, that Margins Wines makes, they're made with unsprayed fruit. Or they're made with yeah, the unsprayed fruit. Yeah. So they're the fruit. the grapes actually spontaneously ferment, which is more natural again. Mm. So you get to uh, the flavors are different from bottle to bottle. There's the consistency is um, varies from basically vintage, if you're not familiar, vintage is a year mm -hmm. in winemaking. So vintage to vintage can can vary. And Megan's making wine from underrepresented regions, mostly in California and with underrepresented varietals. Like right now I'm drinking the Mouvedre, mm -hmm. which is not common in California, not as common. Um, and then I think the other one, what's it's the other Cab one? Franc? Yeah, Cab Franc, which is, it's common. You can get Cab Francs, I think, in, in France, but it's not as common um, out here. all kinds of things. And I'm like, I've never heard that. Like, I think the Sangiovese is the only one I'd ever heard of, but I'm also right. don't know my wine as well as you do. Well, and she's all fucking delicious. Well, they're really delicious. And because of, we were always asking for a wine sponsorship and she is generous enough. She just like, I believe in what she's doing uh -huh. and, and her wine. Um, and she's giving you, our listeners 10% off. If you buy three, um, Three or more <laughs> bottles, uh, and you use like you use the code shamelesssex10 on marginswide.com. And if you buy six or more bottles, she'll give you fifteen percent off. So use shamelesssex15, mm -hmm. and you'll get fifteen percent off. It's very reasonably priced wine. I think there's nothing over twenty five dollars, so you're saving pretty good amount of money on uh, three or to six bottles. So and it's amazingly delicious, and it's 
your if you have a dinner party, you will impress because people be like, "What? Yeah. I've never had anything like this. this is amazing. I it's know. raw wine. What's raw wine?" And then you can sound really smart and just quote April as if you know a lot about wine, like I do, because I don't know a lot about wine. Yeah, but isn't that? I love little bulleted facts like that. Uh-huh. So I've got some more for next time we talk about it. I'm just going to keep educating. Not much. I'm not going to bore you, but because if you don't drink wine and you're like, "Fuck this, Shut bitch!" Right now, up, girl, I am sober. <gasps> I'm just sober this week. Um, because oh. knowledge is power. <laughs> That's my little shout out to, like what that. is that, like Reading Rainbow? Yeah. Or, uh, I can do anything. Take that, a look. Is that Reading Rainbow? It's in a book. Reading Rainbow. I just want to ask, <laughs> this is on that note, because we did a talent show. I'm in the um, Hakomi training, which is a uh, holistic psychotherapy training that has like Buddhist undertones slash how to, it's, I'm learning more therapeutic practices to work with clients. And anyways, we did a talent show. I did not participate. but Why? Some, I was a little scared. Oh, but there were some great shows. Some people that just did fun things. And this one guy did, um, who maybe he's listening now. Shout out to you. I'm not going to say your name, um, but he did this like old reading rainbow thing where they have like the little like ding 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 ding, and he's reading xylophone. A, and he's reading a story, and he read this story called Marlon Bundo, and it's about. Have you heard of this? It sounds familiar. It's adorable. It's like this little little boy bunny. Who meets his? He meets this other little boy bunny, and he likes hanging out with this little boy bunny. And they, and anyway, they end up. I think they end up like falling in love or something. Aww. But it's like this cute kid story talking about um, two little boy bunnies that fall like fall in same love. Sex and really, same sex bunnies. They really cute. enjoy hanging out with each other, and they have all this fun, and they all do all these fun bunny things together. And it was like the cutest thing ever. And actually, I saw that book in my therapist's office. <laughs> I went to my therapist in there, and I saw like Marlon Bundo in there. And I was like, that is just adorable. Because that, that, I mean, Marlon I, Bundo, Jimmy Dean on the cover of a magazine. What is that? It's, I just used instead of Marlon Brando. Oh, is this a <laughs> Lady Gaga song? No, or that's Madonna. Oh. <laughs> Vogue from the 90s. Oh, okay. I get it. Uh huh. Vogue. Vogue. Mm-hmm. Vogue. 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 So Vogue. Okay, so let's move on to the actual episode then. At that, we can tell we need to move on. We start doing weird things <laughs> like that. Um, anyways, check out Marlon Bundo. Um, we are not spo- we don't have a coupon code for and you margins wine. <laughs> Drink margins wine while while reading, reading Marlon, Marlon Bundo. Bundo. It's a cute though. It's a cute gift to give a kid. I think too. So okay. I like it. Um, all right, everyone. So we're going to dive in the podcast on how to have great sex and connection after trauma. Enjoy. All right, everyone. So it is podcast time as promised. And before we dive in, I will read the bio of our wonderful guest speaker. So Tara Harrison is a licensed professional counselor and host of the Make Love Not War podcast, which has a clear mission of helping people have more sex with less fighting. She discovered the need for her podcast as she saw male clients at her private practice in Fort Worth, Texas, who were struggling to understand their female partners. While Tara's podcast is directed towards men, her evil plan is really to help women have more connected relationships with men where they feel heard and understood in a way that leads to more sex and less fighting for all. To learn more, visit makelovenotwar.com. Welcome, Tara. Woo. Hi. Thank you. Hello. Thank like you for that. having me. Evil plan. Yes. <laughs> and I like that you're from Texas. I thought I heard a little Southern bell or southern bow i don't know whatever you want to say southern twang Southern yeah Um, definitely texas yeah (laughs) you'll hear it more as you talk to me and you're in dallas area i am yes like dallas fort worth nice there's definitely a need for um i guess the mission this is great helping people 
have more sex with less fighting. <laughs> Sounds good, right? Who doesn't want that? How do you feel about makeup sex? Like people get in a fight and then they have sex. Oh, well, that's good too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's better to have just like hot, sexy, angry sex without having a fight first. But if, I mean, if that's what gets you there, I guess yeah. it's all right. Yeah, if you give it, if you can not have the fight, then kudos to you. Um, okay, so can you? So the topic today, we're going to specifically talk more about uh, great sex after trauma. How to you know find yourself again, connect to your body again, and connect to um, to feel safe connecting to partners. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today? Trauma aside, you know, you were as a as a licensed professional counselor and having the podcast. Like, how did you get into this realm, um, into the field of sexuality? You know, I, I, I kind of, it, I think I got more into the, fil- uh, the, the field of sexuality as I connected more with my own sexuality. So when I started off in counseling, I was really actually wanting to work with families of kids with autism. I had done a lot of work with kids with autism, and I was doing that during graduate school and all of this kind of stuff. And, and so I thought that's what I wanted to do. And then I started working in early intervention, and I was doing... Um, home visits and working with families and stuff like that in inner city Fort Worth. And I did have some interesting experiences with, um, uh, at the, at that time with, with my, my first meetings, meeting, um, women who are sex workers at that time, cause I was working with their kids and stuff like that. So that was like an early experience, um, there, but I, I really didn't think that I wanted to work with couples, um, really wanted to work with kids, but then I just started, um, uh, the more that I worked with families, the more I uh, really saw the the need to help couples connect. And so I um, I started I started working in private practice after I stopped working in early intervention. I worked for the government in early intervention, and that'll burn you out really quick. So I started working in private practice. I started working with kids there, but then I just started working with more adults, and I started doing couples therapy, and I got. Uh, got Gottman training. Um, so I do, I use Gottman couples method. And the more I started working with couples and started and kind of moved away from working with, with kids, um, the more that I just saw that men and women really uh, in relationships together really wanted the same thing. And they both wanted this sense of emotional safety together. And for women that looked, um, uh, in general, that looked different than men. Women were wanting more of the feeling of validation, and that uh, he understands me, and um, that and and that he understands my feelings. And men were wanting more of the sexual connection. And what I really found, though, is that it wasn't that women didn't want that too. It's just that they wanted to feel emotionally safe first. And men really feel emotionally safe when they're connecting sexually. So there was this impasse there, and. What I really learned from working with a lot of men is that that emotional safety key is that component that is very important for women is very important for men, but they find it in sexual connection. And, and a lot of women just didn't understand that. And so that's one thing that I've been helping men and women understand about each other is that we all want more sex and less fighting, but it, we just kind of go about it different ways. And so in, in doing that work, I started working with a lot more men individually and helping them understand women and understand how to connect with their female partners. And, um, and, th- and through that, I, I realized that, you know, men really don't have um, this, this place to, to, to really be able to understand 
women without going to therapy because men don't talk about it together unless they have female friends. But I really wanted to bring this information to a, a like a large group of people. And my husband was listening to podcasts all the time. I didn't even listen to podcasts. I was like, what are you doing sitting on your ass in the office all the time? Like listening to people talk, like, what are you doing in there? And turned out he was listening to podcasts and he would tell me about the podcasts and stuff like that and, and what he learned from that. And I was, and I was thinking, well, if I'm trying to reach men to help them understand women so that we can all have more sexual connection, more emotional connection, which is same, same on both sides, then, then I'm, why don't I, why don't I create a podcast? Why don't we create a podcast? And um, I've been asking my husband to go to therapy with me for a while just to talk about things we needed to work through. And he just refused to go, which is hilarious because I'm a therapist and my husband wouldn't go to therapy with me. So I was, I, I thought, well, you know, what if I ask him to be my co-host and I can bring the therapist to him and get him to talk about things that he's uncomfortable talking about with me and um, in a sort of arena that he's comfortable with, which is a podcast. And also it's a business and he feels really comfortable with businessy things. So that was part of me creating the podcast too, was for us to get closer emotionally. And that's also helped us get a lot closer physically and sexually. So it's so been a win-win all around. So that's what I'm hoping to bring for other women is, is men can understand women more. Women can feel more sexually liberated and then they can both meet in the middle and, and have each other's sexual and emotional needs met. I, the, the part about you two creating the podcast together. So, um, I, my partner and I, we were driving the other day and we decided that we were going to just do a voice memo and record our own podcast together. <laughs> just driving <in> the car. <laughs> That's fun. So we created a voice memo and we're like, we just called our, our podcast, you know, our names combined. So it was, um, like the Damie podcast and um, I don't use his name on here, but his name starts with a D and we did this little mini podcast for 45 minutes. It's super fun. And what I found in recording a podcast together, I mean, it hasn't gone on the air or anything, but that I was, we were both not afraid to say the things that might usually trigger the other person because we knew we were being recorded. So our responses couldn't be like, you know, batshit crazy. You know? <laughs> like, it was recorded, right? So we couldn't just go into this. I mean, we, I guess we could have, but it gave us more permission to um, stay present and not go into defensiveness and to really take into account what the other person was saying. And so we said, I don't know if you found this with recording a podcast with him and bringing the therapist, but it just creates this safety, I think, in like, okay, we're, we have to take this seriously, especially if you have another therapist on there, right? Like the things that people say one-on-one -on -one versus in front of a therapist are entirely different. Like it's entirely different. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I've noticed that. Yeah. I'm sure you've experienced it oh. and also seen it in your office too. So that's funny. Yeah. I was like, maybe we should record every time we have to talk about something really serious. <laughs> Just tell them it's a podcast. Be like, I'm recording right now. Yeah. I'm recording I'm right not. now. I'm recording right now. Just like, yes. <laughs> every episode with you? Yes, he is. Yeah. He's my co-host. So it's, it's really been awesome because we've had, we've had, some episodes on women's sexuality that um, like, like when we talked to, um, when we talked to Sean that y'all also interviewed from the love drive about um, how to, how to eat pussy. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm hoping he'll listen to some of these techniques. Mm -hmm. Not that I, you know, it's, it's, well, it's also brought us, it's, it's also helped us talk to each other about sex more, which a lot of couples struggle with. But, um, but it, yeah, I mean, to me, he's, he's learned so much more about emotions than he ever would have in another, in another arena, just because it was a safe place to learn. 
Note to self, everyone. You want to get close to the partner, start a podcast. Everyone's doing it. <laughs> exactly. Um, we have all these couples with podcasts now. Yeah, I know. And like, this is our private therapy session. This is how we get close. Exactly. Um, so on the note of trauma, so um, I, I want to go and dive into a little bit of trauma. And I know that you have a personal story about trauma uh, from your own personal experience. But can you tell us some of the ways that trauma shows up in the mind, body, and spirit? I know that it's, it's very diverse. A lot of people think of trauma as only coming from non-consensual acts of sexual violence. But um, can you elaborate a little bit more on um, the diversity of trauma? Sure. Yeah. I mean, trauma, uh, there's, gosh, there's so many different forms of trauma, but, and it also really depends on how it affects you when it happens in your life. If you have early childhood trauma, like between zero and five, that's when the brain is 90% of the brain is formed during that time. So that's the, that's the kind of trauma that a lot of people that experience trauma during that time will internalize. And so you see, um, you see a lot more uh, guilt and shame around that because maybe there's no words to express it and there's really no understanding of what happened. And I'm not just talking about sexual trauma. That could also be your house burns down or you get in a really bad accident um, and a lot of these pre-verbal memories, you don't even really know that you might not even remember that it happened, but it, it affects your body. It stays in your body. Um, and so, I mean, so, and diversity of trauma that, that could be something like a, a car accident, like I said, or it could be, um, you know, um, could be a parent leaving where, you know, where, you, where you've lost a parent, whether it's through death or the parent left or, or whatever. Um, it, um, it, it could be some, something that you expected to happen in your life that didn't. In one of our podcasts, my husband talks about how his racing career didn't happen the way he thought it was and how he had to heal and get through that trauma. Um, and so in, in, zero to, in zero to five, when things like that happen, it, it, it hugely affects the brain development. But the really positive thing about that is if you have corrective experiences around that time, if you... If you have a parent that's attentive to your needs with the trauma, it gets, gets counseling or shows you that even though I, I wasn't able to protect you in this one time, this, this particular incident, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to show you that you're worthy of protection now, then you can still have secure attachments and go on with your life and it can be repaired. When trauma happens in and later developmental stages, um, early childhood, which is like grade school, um, adolescence and teenager, then your brain is still forming, but it's, it's, um, it, the neural networks are, they're already formed, but now they're, they're pruning is what it's called. They're pruning at that time. And so if something happens during that time, it is, it is harder to repair and it, and it can affect you in different ways. Um, a little bit, um, uh, later ages and like, like, uh, elementary school, you'll see kids acting out. So you'll see a lot of acting out behaviors. They won't really understand the emotional impact of whatever happened to them. So that's when you see kids having behavior problems in school. Maybe something's going on. Um, and then during adolescence and like high school age, that's when people start. That's when your, your prefrontal cortex is really developing and, and pruning, which is where you can plan activities and you have impulse control developing um, at, a, at a, 
a really high rate and being able to strategize and things like that. And so you see people doing a lot of really risk-taking behaviors at that time. So that's like, oh, you know, he or she just like went wild during high school. Well, you know, maybe something happened to them during that time. Um, and, and so that's kind of the developmental stage of stages of trauma and um and and at, at any time trauma can be repaired it's not like well something happened to you or you had um a an abusive childhood or you had neglectful childhood and now you're just all kind of messed up in relationships um that that definitely can be repaired and a lot of it can be repaired through connection with yourself and being able to share your story and find it validated even if your parents weren't able to protect you other people can hear you and tell you that that you're safe and you're worthy of care. Um, and also you can start to rewire your neural networks and, and I can share that later as part of my journey to healing from trauma. Yeah. Well, maybe we should just go into that piece too of your own trauma story and um, whatever you um, feel safe in sharing about that. Um, your own personal trauma story would, I think people would appreciate hearing and, um, and cause I'm sure plenty of people have stories of their own. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a little nervous talking about it. I've never talked about it, uh, recorded oh, okay. uh, for, in front of a Whenever large audience, but <laughs> Um, I talked about it in therapy a lot and, and I'm, I'm okay to share it, but, um, so I guess maybe in this, I can illustrate how trauma might affect somebody. And so, um, my, my story was, uh, it was not repeated trauma. I had a several, a several different incidences that happened throughout kind of the developmental period I was talking about. Um, but the first one really shaped how I saw other things and I think it kind of stacked other things up for me but uh, when I was four I was sexually molested by a family friend and I don't know how many times it happened because those are some of those memories are pretty hazy but uh, I do have I did have I don't anymore but I had a lot of guilt and shame around it because um, I enjoyed the attention that it brought and it was a father figure and so I implicitly trusted this person. It was a friend of mine's father, like a little friend that I would go on a play date with and dad would be there. And so, um, and I, I'm pretty sure that we, that there was porn view during that. So I had a lot of triggers around porn that I worked through as well. And um, so that, that was the event. And that part wasn't really as damaging as really how my parents handled it. And they were young, not really, really young parents, but pretty young parents. And now I know that they handled it the best they, that they could. But what I learned from that is that I wasn't worthy of protection. And I, as a child, needed to protect adults from the things that happened to me. Mm -hmm. So I took that throughout my life for a really long time. But they, um, they decided not to, even though I had told them and they knew what happened and they knew what happened to my friend also, it was her father and um, another person that I, you know, in my life um, happened to that person as well. They decided, I think, amongst themselves not to pursue it because they didn't want us traumatized further by having to go to court or something like that. And also at that time, it was the early 80s and they really thought that, that pedophiles could be rehabilitated. And so they just, this was the hard thing for me to understand at the time is that they kept bringing me over there, not alone, but they, they wanted, they wanted me to feel like, um, he was, 
a nice person, even though he did this thing. And so they also told me like what his sob story was about how he was abused as a child and all of this kind of stuff. So in essence, I felt like they were trying to make me feel sorry for him to excuse his behavior. And, and, and their intention in it was that they were trying to show me that not everybody is all bad, even though people do bad things, they're not all bad. But, but the, the, the big message I got from it was, you know, like this guy's, this guy is more important than you are and, and we're not going to protect you from him. And he sent me Christmas cards for years. It was all really kind of messed up. Um, but now, I mean, now that the, that, the actual event and the way my parents handled it has been neutralized. I can, I can see that they just made poor choices with it. And, you know, they really were trying to protect me. It's just, they, they did the wrong thing, but they were following what, what kind of guidance they got at the time when that was really how psychology saw it at the time. Like during the seventies and eighties, it was like, well, you can just love people better. And really you can't in a lot of, I mean, a lot of situations you, I mean, if somebody has done something like that, then you can't. Um, so that was the first event. And that really made me feel like, um, like there was something wrong with me at, at my core that I was unlovable. And so I, I kind of, I really internalized my whole world and I started just reading all the time like I was just this voracious reader I would take books with me everywhere because it made me feel safe to have a book in front of my face like I wouldn't have to deal with people and I had this very strong and internal world because I really didn't trust that other people were going to love me for who I was because I just thought they would find out what a dirty little girl I was is, is really how I felt and um and I and and then I I um and, and that kind of stacked up on itself because I was bullied as a kid, but not that I'm saying that, uh, that I deserved that, but I think I was also putting out this, this energy of, of I'm, there's something wrong with me and other kids pick up on it and they don't really know what it means. And so they think that, you know, you're just kind of a weird kid. And um, I was also really sensitive. So I picked up on other people's needs. And so I think that really the gift of all of this was for me is that I really developed this sense of self that I really knew myself and I felt like deep down I'm this awesome person, but nobody else knows. And, um, and I developed this sensitivity to other people's needs because I found that if I can, if I could be there for other people and I can protect other people in some way that will heal me, which I think is part of what led me into being a therapist. And, um, but at, at the time I was in, I was taking in too much of everybody else's emotions and making them my own because I didn't know how to protect myself. Um, so that, that was the first one. And then, and then I had some other experiences. Like when I was 13, um, this guy that was like 22 at a party almost raped me and it was really scary. But then I had a friend that busted down the door, literally like banged the door down and came in and, and saved me. And, and then I had an incident in college kind of similar at a party. And I'm still not even really sure what happened with that because, you know, college or I was drinking a lot and drinking for the first time. And so I had one of those situations where this guy said we had sex and I didn't remember it. And I don't know if we, I still don't know if we did or not. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's kind of the, the basic story of it. But I think that, really what I walked through life feeling like for a long time is that nobody really had my back and, um, and that, that I was going to have to earn 
other people's love and respect and their care because I wasn't inherently going to be given it, be given protection. So through all of this, I mean, this is a lot of trauma you've experienced, obviously, and it, it sounds like probably working through that, you've worked on yourself a lot and, and going into um, sex and relationships in your adult life after kind of coming to terms with some of the trauma and perhaps dealing with some of the trauma, which we want to hear about how you work through that. But um, do you think that on top of feeling that no one had your back, how, how did you, how did this trauma affect your sex and the relationships that you've been in since then? Yeah, well, it definitely affected me wanting to even try to have sex. I didn't have sex for the first time until I was 22 years old because I was just really scared of it. And I was, um, I, I was just, I was just afraid. I don't know. I mean, I can't even like put a word to the fear because it's kind of like the, it's the four year old inside me that was scared. And so, um, I, I'm, I'm very, in, in the therapy that I went through. And also I talk about this when I work with people with trauma, um, it's called ego state therapy where you look at when a traumatic event happened to you and when you're triggered, whatever age you were at, or whatever age you were when the traumatic event happened is kind of the person running the show when you're triggered. So anything sexual for me, anything that was related to um, something being really sexy, I, I was triggered because I, I think because of the fact that there was the, the porn playing in the background. So there was like the, I mean, it was 70s porn too, right? So it was like the sexy music and all of this kind of stuff. And so like anything that seemed really sexual or that I would be sexual would make me feel just really dirty and like really scared. And I would get I mean, I would get triggered, and so I would I would go into fight or flight or freeze. And for children, it's usually freeze. So a lot of times, I would go like hide behind a bed or do something like that. Um, and, um, and and so I just really avoided it for a long time. And then um, when I finally did have sex, I chose somebody that I thought was safe. Um, it wasn't really a safe person in the end, but I mean, the, but, it, but the experiences I had with him in the beginning were safe, but, but I wasn't choosing the right kind of person because I really didn't even know how to choose somebody that was sexually safe. So early experiences of sex were not, were not very positive. And I, and thinking of myself sexually in relation to somebody else was not positive. I really didn't, um, I struggled with masturbation for a while too. I did it, but I felt kind of guilty because that was part of the sexual abuse that I went through. Um, that was um, him teaching me how to masturbate at four years old. So like it wasn't even mine, you know, and I had to reclaim masturbation as something that was mine. Um, and it was my sexuality, but that, that took a while too. But through my through my therapeutic experience, I did that for myself. It wasn't, masturbation wasn't even something I ever talked to my therapist about for a long time just because of the feelings of shame around us. Um, even though I did it, I mean, I, um, and I enjoyed it, there was a part of me that knew that as an adult or as an adolescent, however old I was, that it was okay. The four-year-old was still present. She was just like, I don't know if this is safe. Like, this is scary. Um, this makes me feel like a dirty little girl. That was kind of like the catchphrase that I had that would come up the the tape that would roll in my head was that and it was very much like something a four-year-old would say you know 
Yeah. So you shared a little bit of the ways that you worked through your trauma. Um, can you, so how else? And obviously it sounds like you did a lot of therapy and trying to choose partners where you felt safe, but what were some, what are some other ways that you, you really worked with your trauma? And I imagine you're still working today. Well, the first step in, in my experience working through my trauma was, was actually seeking therapy because part of my trauma was that when I was 16 and I was starting to, to really realize my sexuality at that time, I was a little bit of a late bloomer in that area too, but um, I asked my parents to go to counseling and, and they um, wanted us to keep it in the family. You know, that's what you hear that a lot, keep it in the family. And, and they were afraid, you know, they, they felt guilty about what happened to me and stuff. So, um, so it was very therapeutic for me to actually seek therapy, which I did for the first time in college when I was 19 years old and I was um, psychology undergrad and I started taking classes and stuff and I started having a lot of triggers coming up and just remembering a lot of things that I had really suppressed because I minimized it. Like it wasn't important because I was like, that happened to me a long time ago. It shouldn't be a problem anymore. You know, like that I was four, I should be over it. And that's kind of what I told myself. But so when I went to therapy, and um, Dr. Olmsted was his name, he was my first therapist, and I chose a man for a reason because I really wanted to feel safe with men. And that was a really corrective emotional experience where I was able to talk to a man about what happened, and he, um, I shared this story with him, my story with him, and he really validated it, you know, and that was really the first time that anybody had ever validated that this was something that happened. It was a horrible thing. It was wrong. The way that it was handled was wrong. And so just starting there was huge because for me, sharing my story meant that I was starting to own it. It didn't own me anymore. And for, gosh, thinking about it, it makes me want to cry right now. But um, for a lot of my life, that story owned me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's what happens well, when you're holding in all, all to yourself and there isn't anyone else there to um, su- support you in that. So did you, I mean, you, you told your parents when you were younger. And so were you through um, high school before you started seeking therapy? Were you telling friends about it? Was there, were you telling little bits and pieces over there or did it really take you a long time and not until you got to in front of a therapist to really share your personal story? Yeah, you know, I I don't think that I I don't think that I shared it with any of my friends. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. No, it was really it was in the context of therapy that I first shared the story with anyone mm-hmm. outside of the family. Um, the other person I knew that it happened to, I, we wrote each other letters. I think when I was in high school, so I we I shared it with her, but also it was because it would it also happened to her, and so. Um, I didn't share it with people outside of me because I, I felt like, well, and just like many people feel who've been sexually abused that, that nobody else had been, or that, you know, so few other people had been and people would think that they think I was even weirder than they already did. So it really was therapy was the first time I, I fully shared it. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm trying to think, I don't even think I'd like dropped any hints or anything like that. I may be wrong, but I don't remember talking to anyone about it. And now with the knowledge that you have working in the, the therapeutic world, um, would you have done anything differently? Obviously, you'd be like, I wouldn't have been traumatized. But I mean, would you have done anything differently in terms of the way that you handled your healing? And would you have talked to more people about it before? Would you have, um, what, what would, is, is there anything you would have done differently? 
Like if you could speak to, you know, the 13 year old version of you and and say some, some words of advice, what would that be? That's a hard one because, because I, I did not, I didn't really have very good, safe, close friendships in high school. I don't think I would tell myself to do that because I, and, and partly maybe it was because of my own attachment of not letting people in that I didn't have those kind of friendships. I, I wouldn't say now that the friends I had would have been safe people to share that with. Um, but I, I might advise other people differently if they do feel that they have safe friendships that I would say to talk to your friends about it. Um, it it's hard with, with that age group because other kids may not have the emotional maturity to handle what you're telling them. And so you do po- have the risk there of being further traumatized by somebody's reaction to your trauma. So it really depends on people of that age, what I would advise. I would have advised myself, the only other thing I would have done was to really push with my parents to get therapy earlier because I think that they would have given it to me if I had opened up to them about how important it was to me, but I was still protecting them from myself, which I did for years, (laughs) which I've just recently in the past, like, I don't know, five to five years have started not protecting them from myself and each other. And, you know, I was getting, I got involved in their relationship and tried to do couples therapy with them starting at 12 years old and stuff like that. So I was very much about like protecting my family, but I was always protecting them from me too. So I I think that I would have advised myself to try to let them in a little bit more to, you know, to, to be able to help me because they wanted to, they just, they were afraid themselves. So. Yeah. I didn't know how. So in, in terms in terms of the for the sexuality piece, then um, in uh, in a, as uh, tools and tips that you use for yourself or that you'd recommend to our listeners uh, after trauma, you know, say they go to a therapist and they start doing therapy. But what are some of the tools and um, tips that you have for the, for folks to be able to reconnect to their sexuality uh, after trauma? Um, well, the, I mean, the first thing that I, I, I think that the, the first thing I'd want to share though is, is this, the second step, which was really helpful in my, in my therapy journey. Um, if, if someone is able to access this, which is to, to do EMDR as part of their therapy, because talking about it and, and being able to rewrite the story is really important. And, and it, um, it's a very, it's very good for the attachment part, but for really, changing your neural networks for changing the the brain. EMDR is really helpful. Um, That's eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And it it actually, and it it sounds exactly what it is. You use eye movements, it desensitizes you to the experience and it reprocesses the experience. So that really helps with triggers because the triggers are in your body. You know, and talk therapy really helps with the emotional feeling and being able to um, release some of those things from your brain, but really changing your neural networks, it, it helps your whole body. Um, so I, I would recommend also doing that. I just wanted to put that in. But one thing that really helps with reconnecting to your own sexuality, I think as you start to change that story, is being aware, is, is really starting with masturbation, is being aware when you're touching yourself that you are a safe person, you love yourself, you are lovable. And so touching yourself sexually is an act of love for yourself and it's a positive thing 
it's it's a pure thing because you're loving yourself and even if you feel sexual and you're thinking of sexual thoughts that that's okay that's all part of sexuality and sexuality in itself is a pure thing what happened to you was not a pure thing what happened to you was an awful thing and it was somebody else's sexuality that was messed up not yours so that's a, a message that I would like to impart to people that are listening to really tell yourself that and to really just start touching yourself. And, and if you're feeling uncomfortable, stop and, and give yourself the time to really work through whatever's coming up for you and know that you're worthy of that time of exploring your sexuality and feeling safe with yourself. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, that, that slowing down and almost touching yourself the way that you'd want a partner to touch you, you even if you've never had them touch you that way before and to let your body know that it's worthy of it and that it starts with you as opposed to just relying on someone else to do it for you. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of power in there. Or use vibrators to touch yourself. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, maybe if you're, if that's, that's a good, that's a good point because maybe if, if touching yourself with your fingers is too triggering, having something else um, as long as that's not triggering too, yeah. um, could be really powerful. I think being able to touch yourself with your hands once you get to that is the most powerful thing because you're you're you have that um, sensory experience of touching yourself with your hands. You know that's that could be really powerful. Yeah, and, and yeah, you can, yeah, you can really you're feeling on both ends. You're feeling with your fingers, and then you're also feeling with the skin that you're touching too. And there's a lot of um, a lot of potential there and um, a lot of healing that can have happen there. Um, uh, so folks can listen to your podcast, obviously the make more love, not war, um, which is fairly new. And you can t talk a little bit about that. Uh, how else can our listeners that are um, listening to your story? And by the way, thank you for sharing. And thank you. Like it was very powerful. I am borderline was going to cry a couple of times. I was like, keep it together, keep it together. So thank you for sharing that. But um, just wanted to know how those folks that want to work with you, how they can, and um, yeah, a little bit more about your podcast as well. And I imagine most of your work, your work you working, you say, you say you were doing a lot of work with men. Are you doing a lot of work with trauma with folks too? Or are you referring out for trauma? I mean, what does that look like when people work with you? Um, no, I also work with trauma and anxiety, and I work with both men and women um, through trauma and anxiety, and that's that's an area I specialize in. I also specialize in body image issues and um, disordered eating, and um, so those those are my main areas. And also work with families with special needs kids as well, if you know, because self care is so huge in that area as it is in all areas. But I, if, if you're in the state of Texas, I am licensed in the state of Texas for counseling, but I'm also a coach. And so I can do online sessions for coaching, but we can do coaching around those areas of relationships and sex and trauma and anxiety. I think those are all really interconnected, interrelated, and really being able to um, connect that with the mind, body, and spirit. And so I have my website is taraharrison.com so people can find out more about my private practice there and also that's, about my coaching. That's T E R A H. Yeah. <laughs> and then Harrison. So it's two H's together. <laughs> Double H. Double H. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have your, and then you have your podcast too. Yes. And then I have the podcast and in the podcast, we talk a lot about sex and relationships. And, um, I have to say that, um, I, 
through my own personal healing and also the podcast, which has brought a lot of emotional healing between my husband and I, um, we, I, we have really awesome sex. And, um, so I, I want to put some hope out there for people who have had trauma that you can feel not only safe with yourself, but with your partner, especially if your partner is willing to understand and engage in your healing, which my husband was. And so I'm really um, grateful for that. And also for myself, for choosing, for breaking my own pattern and choosing somebody who was safe and that showed me I was worthy of protection. So that often is the first step in that kind of healing, the relational healing of it. So there was that, that is choosing um, partners that, and I, I think I just want to add to that. I think what happens after trauma is a lot of folks, um, and I remember reading this in the bot, that book, The Body Keeps the Score, that um, a lot of people are actually choosing partners that reaffirm their trauma, you know, and yes. this old um, this old patterning in their brains. And so you have those people that are like, why do I keep choosing these people that keep hurting me or, or triggering me of my old trauma? And so there's something in there that's a combination of the personal work, the therapy, the self-love, and making different choices, and one of them being... Um, choosing partners that actually that actually uh, treat you with the love and respect and worthiness that your system needs to overcome the trauma and easier said than done right there's like the the saying you know we don't choose who we fall in love with and um, I think as and maybe you can share what you think about this but the more work that we do with therapists and we, the more support we do and the more of our own healing we do we get more control over those choices and then that's just an opinion but I don't know if you want to add anything to that no, I definitely agree to that. And my story is definitely a testament to that because my, the person that I was with before meeting my husband was somebody who re-traumatized me. And even this as a therapist, I was in graduate school at the time and still made this kind of choice. So it's not your intellectual knowing, but it's really the healing that you go through as you're rewriting your own story and as you are showing yourself that you are worthy of this time to heal and you are worthy of this protection and, and taking the time to, to go to therapy or go talk to somebody that helps you work through this and let, and, and in that connection with that person who is safe, you learn how to develop a, um, a, you learn how to develop a safe connection. You change your attachment to a more secure attachment. You can do that within the, within therapy or within a really positive relationship. And then you take those skills outside of that. And, and you're, you're naturally, your heart is desiring something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a client or a, someone who used to work with me who uh, her whole body would tense up anytime she'd be touched by anyone. Didn't matter if it was romantic touch or sexual touch. Um, she would just tighten up and, um, and so, and she had a lot of trauma from her childhood and, um, she was blessed with meeting this wonderful man that became her, you know, her, her husband who was just so loving and patient with her along her journey. And it was, and still is a journey of, um, you know, it's, it's a constant journey of him being patient for her when he touches her, if her body freezes up and he just slows down and checks in and then goes into mm-hmm. self-care, she goes in self-care mode or he asks what she needs and sometimes sex gets taken off the table. And, um, and I think that, um, a lot, a lot of people are choosing is, is to, again, they're choosing, they don't believe that that's available, I guess, is what I would say is that people that have experienced trauma, they don't really um, always understand that there are plenty of folks of all genders that will still uh, love you and show up for you 
how, no matter how traumatized you are. You know, if there, people think that they must be broken, no one wants me because of my trauma, nor will anyone be patient with me along the way. And that's not true. It's just um, they're they're out there, and it and it shakes you know, part of doing your own work, and also uh, making different choices and staying open to um, to meeting folks that actually can show up that way. That they're, it's totally possible. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you, Tara, so much. Thank you, and for I didn't realize that this was going to be your first time sharing your story <laughs> so openly. I was I just figured that you talk about it in your pod, your podcast all the time. So what an honor it is to have. Um, you share such a vulnerable, intimate story um, with our listeners, and uh, we really, really cherish that. And um, I, um, I hope that for our listeners, that that just hearing someone share so vulnerably, even if you don't have this kind of trauma, just hearing vulnerability like that can inspire you to be more um, maybe open or proactive with your own life. Yeah, and I, I hope that it inspires hope for people because there are. I mean, statistically, we know how many people are do go through women go through sexual trauma and people go through trauma in general and it's so isolating because people don't talk about it and i think that the power of rewriting your story and it not owning you means that you can share it well i absolutely feel honored to have taken part in this interview with you and it was a pleasure having you as a guest to our listeners out there, check out makemorelovenotwar.com um, or the website, which I'm, I'm sorry, or the podcast, which is probably everywhere podcasts can be listened to. It is. And, yes. Awesome. And all right, folks, um, that was a powerful episode, but we'll see you next week for another episode of Shameless Sex. Ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.